0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Uh, go ahead, if you want to, turn to Acts chapter 16, and uh, which is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, um, chapter 16. And while you're turning there, I want to read a little passage, just kind of a little bit of an intro to today. It's one of, comes from the book of Psalms. It's one of my favorite ones. And um, I got a brand new Bible. And then yesterday, you know how like in the Bible they got the thing where you can like mark your place. It's got the little, I don't know what they call it. It's a tassel, tassel thingy. It's brand new. And I'll go put it on the other day and just falls off in my hand. I'm like, what the heck? What am I going to do? So luckily I was able to find something that my my youngest son made for me like five years ago. It's a picture of me and him. And uh, so that's now my new, that's my new place marker there. Anyway, so while you're going there, let me read this to you. And um, and some of you might recognize this. It's a relatively famous uh, chapter out of Psalms. It's called, it's the 23rd Psalm. And this is from, written by King David, uh, one of uh, Israel's uh, first early kings. He was actually the second king. Um, And this is what it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close behind me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies." You honor me by anointing my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, let me pray for you real quick. I always like to pray before we get into the word. Um, what, we do, uh, what we do here at church, and uh, we're, we're always telling people every week, take notes, take notes, because what we do is we speak to you Monday through Saturday. Church, what we do, uh, church should be something that we do every week, and uh, and that's not just so that we can check a a box like, oh, I did church, I did my religious duty. It's this is the environment where where the church community comes together, uh, people that call Combo Church their home, and we get um, we get filled, we get energized, we get motivated, we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us that we can't do by ourselves, so that we can go out Monday through Saturday and and be a Jesus follower. And so I just want to encourage you with that that to open up your hearts, open up your minds today. and if this is something that is brand new to you, maybe you've never done church before, you're not even sure if you believe all that stuff, and that's OK. Combo Church is one of those places uh, where you can belong here before you believe everything that we believe. It's OK. Everybody needs a community. Uh, but I want to encourage you today that what I have for you, I believe, is something that's from the Lord. Uh, it's something that's from the Bible. And something that I believe is going to, uh, it's gonna encourage you, it's gonna inspire you, it's gonna build you up. And, uh, and that's much better than being discouraged, uninspired and beaten down. How about that? Let's turn that thing upside down. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would open up our hearts and our ears to hear from you today. Uh, God, you are so faithful and we, we don't deserve a lick of it. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful. Your grace is here. Your love is here. Let us lean in today to hear what it is that you want to speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. 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 And uh, I just want to throw out there too, before, before I get into it, uh, clearly we know that next week is Easter and we talked about it. And, and I just want to encourage you in every seat, uh, these are some invitations. These, there's a bundle of five in every single seat. I would love if there were none left when church was over today. And so we've made this friendly for whether you are a people person or whether you're not a people person. If you're a people person, you can go up and you can talk to people and you can invite it. If you're not, you can throw it on their doorknob and run. <laughs> it, works, it works for everybody, I feel like we've thought of everything. Anyway, um, our theme next week is gonna be cross equals love. That's what Easter really is all about. It's what Jesus did. He gave his life on the cross, and he rose from the dead, conquered all the things that were meant to to destroy us, and now there's hope uh, for our world, and we get to be the ones that help communicate that. Amen. All right, so today is the last installment of uh, our series that we've been doing called Speak Life. Uh, I think this is actually part five, if I can keep track. If you've missed any of it, you can always go back to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Just look up Convo Church and it's all there. You can listen to it and share it and subscribe and follow all those things. Anyway, uh, but today we are going to to wrap this up with one of the, um, personally what I think is one of the most fun uh, accounts in the, or not in the Gospels, in the book of Acts. And uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And so hopefully I'll be able to deliver on that promise. And my glasses, there we go, okay. It stinks to have glasses. How many of you knew that your words have power? come over here. How many of y'all know that your words have power? Okay, thank you. Can y'all pay attention to this section over here? They know what they're doing. Your words have power. The things that you speak, whether it's of yourself, whether it's of somebody else, whether it's an environment, whether it's a situation, you have the ability to speak either life or to speak death into things. And, and it is a choice. There's a Proverbs 18:21 21, and the message, it says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. So here's the thing. We've been talking about this now for five weeks, and I'm hoping that it might be starting to sink in a little bit that your words have power. I've repeated myself on that a lot, but it's, it's worth repeating because every single day, you and I are gonna be faced with moments, with situations, with thoughts, with circumstances that are going to challenge the words that we choose to speak into those things. Every single day. Some days greater than others, some days you just want to kind of forget about that and move on and that's okay. But we just need to have an understanding within ourselves that, and it's not, just, it's not just a Jesus follower that has power in your words, it's built into us. It's built into every human being. We have the opportunity to speak life into our world or to speak death into it. Jesus followers will dedicate themselves uh, daily to be an agent of positive change in their world by speaking life. By speaking God's thoughts into existence around them, come on, speaking life into your relationships. How I many of you could use more of that? Speaking life into your professional workplace, instead of talking about how much my job sucks and I hate it, I got to do this every day. I don't have any. My, I can't stand my boss. My boss hates me. Maybe that seems like it's true, but what if we what if we flip the script a little bit? And begin to speak life into the environment around us. Speaking life into our region, regardless of what we see going on, positive or negative, we can prophesy, which is basically to speak the words of God into existence. Now, some people may say, well, that's just, that's just you know, it's just, you know, positive talk. It's just words. Uh, it's just, just, you know, I'm more of a realist. You know, I just kind of call it how I see it. If things stink, then I think, then I say they stink. If, if something's going wrong, then I just say it's going wrong. That's great. But that's not going to help anything, is it? That's not gonna change any realities in your world. The reality is, is that speaking life is seeing what does exist, but others just can't see it yet. And so you get to be someone who decides to create a reality that other people can't see yet for whatever reason. And it's amazing that you have the chance to actually change the environment and the reality in your home. You have the chance to change the reality of what you see going on in your workplace. Maybe it's not gonna happen overnight, that's okay. But the more that you speak life, the more you plant seeds of life, and the more that you water those seeds of life with continually speaking what God says instead of what circumstance says, it will begin to change the reality. Can somebody say amen to that? Y'all need to know this is a place where you can talk. We'll let you have your phones out and we'll let you talk. As long as you're talking to me during this time, that would be fantastic. It helps me. Um, so, so I want to read this passage to you. Um, this is kind of, last week, was, was a, was a I think it was a good message, but I got a lot of feedback. I feel like something resounded last week. We talked about uh, not fighting alone. Uh, no, there are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God that succeed. Uh, even Jesus had 12 people that, that were with him when he walked on the earth, and then three people within that group that were kind of like his tightest ones. So if Jesus needs people to do life with, what makes you think that you don't? You do. And so we talked about the power of like having somebody that's got your back and not just somebody who says they got your back, like, yeah, I got your back, I'm your boy, but someone who they're going the same direction you're going in life. Their, their, their values are, are in line with who you are and who God created you to be. And they're someone who's gonna have your back even when you're not looking. There's someone who's gonna take care of you even when others are trying to take you down. Come on, those are the type of people that we need to have around us. So so today's kind of a part two to that, but, but at the same time, it's its own thing. So I'm gonna read this to you and it'll be on the screen behind me. We're reading from the Passion Translation just because the verbiage on this is absolutely incredible. So here's the story. Again, we're in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 16. And this is what it says. It says, one day as we were going to the house of prayer, we encountered a young slave girl who had an evil spirit of divination, the spirit of Python. If you were to research that, you would see that that was something that was uh, connected in the demonic realm that was known during that time. It, it was uh, very commonly thought that the spirit of Python would give people powers to, you know, to predict a future and, and to be a fortune teller. It says that she had earned great profits for her owners by being a fortune teller. She kept following us, shouting, and us, the the guy who's writing this, he's talking about Paul, he's talking about Silas and some other people that were there to to minister. These men are servants of the great high God and they're telling us how to be saved. Which that kind of sounds like, well, thank you. That's kind of what we are here to do. But uh, it says that day after day, she continued to do this until Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit indwelling her, I command you in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to come out of her now. And at that very moment, the spirit came out of her. It uh, sounds like a positive thing, right? Except for in verse 19, it says, when the owners realized that their potential of making profit had vanished, they forcefully seized Paul and Silas and dragged them off to the city square to face the authorities. And when, the, when they appeared before the Roman soldiers and magistrate, the slave owners uh, leveled accusations against them, saying, these Jews are troublemakers. They're throwing our city into confusion, which wasn't true. Um, it says they're, they're pushing their Jewish religion down our throats. It's wrong and unlawful for them to promote, promote these Jewish ways, for we are Romans living in a Roman colony. A great crowd gathered, and all the people joined in to come against them. The Roman officials ordered that Paul and Silas be stripped of their garments and beaten with rods on their bare backs. And after they were severely beaten, they were thrown into a prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. Paul and Silas, now check, this is where I want y'all to start leaning in right now. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God. While all the other prisoners listened to their worship, suddenly a great Earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, can you say it? Say all at once. once. All at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself when Paul shouted in the darkness, Stop, don't hurt yourself, we're all still here. The jailer called for a light. And when he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in, fell trembling at their feet. And then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. And then he prophesied the word of the Lord, which means that he spoke life over them and all of his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and all of his family were baptized he took Paul and Silas into the home, into his home, and set them at his table and fed them. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. At daybreak, uh, the jailer informed Paul and Silas, "The magistrates have sent orders to release you. So go, or so you are now free to go." So, and this is what I want you guys to do. Isn't that a cool story? I just, I love that. And I love the fact that we're not, we're not reading uh, some fables, we're not reading some fictitious things that were put together to sound good. This, this, these were Jesus followers, this happened. And, and I feel like we got a little bit of a connection to this today and I'm about to lean into that a little bit too, so I want you to help me because if you've been around, you know that i like to have you help me uh, announce what we're gonna be preaching about today. So I need you to turn to somebody next to you, look at them in the eye and say, I've got 99 problems, got 99 problems. but prison ain't one. Come on, turn to somebody else. I got 99 problems, but prison ain't one. Now, I, I, gave, a call, I gave a call to my good friend, and I said, said Jay-Z, would you mind, I sent you a hat, would you mind putting this on for me? And, um, and he said, no problem. So I just, I appreciate that. And uh, I got 99 problems, but prison ain't one. Listen, trials and persecution are the greatest moments for God to display his greatness in and through his people. Let me say that one more time because I don't think most people would agree with that or they don't want to agree with that. Listen, trials and persecutions are the greatest moments for God to display his greatness in and through his people. You will not live a problem-free life when you give your life to Jesus. I've heard people preach the opposite, man, you just... Give your life to Jesus. He's going to take care of everything. Everything is going to be fine. everything all the things is going to go away. You'll never get sick. You'll never have problems. You never have enemies. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just not true. Now, yes, God heals. God restores. God does miracles. God raises the dead. God opens blind eyes. God saves those who shouldn't be saved. God redeems what should never be redeemed. But to have this mentality or this thought process. That if I just give my life to Jesus, that all of my problems will disappear and I just will get to live in this utopian, peaceful, grace-filled life where everybody loves me and everyone wants to compliment me and everybody wants to be my friend. I'm sorry, I wish I could say that, but unfortunately that's just not the case. Why? Because when we say yes to Jesus, we don't get teleported into heaven. For whatever reason, in God's wisdom, he's decided that we need to stay here on earth and continue to live life here on earth surrounded by uh, sin, surrounded by brokenness, surrounded by all the things that we face in life, surrounded by temptation, surrounded, depending on where you are, surrounded by persecution. Uh, I know there's people who would say, you know, I've been persecuted for my faith and and uh, in, in America, and not that that doesn't happen, but I know too much about what happens in other countries for people that take a stand for their faith in Jesus Christ, so I have a hard time as an American talking about me being persecuted for my faith. Maybe I've been made fun of, maybe I've been put down, maybe I've been rejected, maybe I've been ridiculed, but I've never had my life threatened, I've never had family members killed in front of me because I, I profess this faith in Jesus Christ. So, but the reality is, is that you will face some type of persecution if you make your faith Known, it just will because there are people that don't understand it. Last week we talked about how people are not our enemies. So even if they are acting like your enemy, even if they're coming at you like they are your enemy, the reality is they're not your enemy. They're somebody who is hurt, lost, and broken, and they need the same grace revelation that you've received. How are they going to find out about it? Hopefully through you. Hopefully through the way that you love them. So I've got a, I've got a couple of thoughts that I'm, I'm still not 100% sure um, what I want to hit within these two. It's just one of these things where, like, you, you get thoughts, you write some stuff down that God gives you, and then it's, it's just time to open this thing up and preach. So that's where we are today. But, but this, is, this is one of my favorite moments because... Um, Paul and Silas are demonstrating the reality of what it means to be a passionate Jesus follower. Sometimes it leads to moments of revival that feel great and everybody's feeling good about life, and then other times it might lead to something going wrong in your life. But what we get demonstrated by Paul and Silas in this scenario is the reality that regardless of what is happening in the circumstance realm, it doesn't have to change what's happening in your spirit. Just because things are going wrong in your life, maybe you've gotten sick, maybe there's people that you love who have gotten sick. Things are gonna come your way that you don't necessarily expect, but you have to allow yourself to have the mindset that says, because this is so common for us, and I've been so guilty of this in my life too. We, we, uh, we, We project our relationship on God based on the circumstances taking place in our life. When everything is going great, God is awesome, God, you're good, man. You're so faithful, I don't even have, you're just taking care of things. And when everything goes south, everything goes wrong, God, where are you? How come you're not here? How come you're not faithful? How come you're not taking care of this? How come you're not taking care of that? I thought you loved me. And so we allow exterior circumstance to dictate how we look at a graceful, eternal, all-powerful, loving God. And so that's why I love this so much because of what Paul and Silas are doing here because this is not a bad day. This is, this is almost a death sentence. They, they wanted to kill them because they came in bringing a, a new message that would have, been, that have, would have uh, brought so many people to life. You know what's interesting is that the message that actually is intended to bring life to people, when it, when it disrupts a life that is in comparison or contrast to that, people fight against it. And it reminds me of people, have you ever heard how like if somebody's drowning and you go to save them, you better know what you're doing because they're going to drown you. Yeah. It's not because they had a thought in their mind like, I'm going to drown this person. No, they're, they're fighting for their life. They don't realize that in, the, in their flailing and in their panic that they could actually harm somebody who was brought there to help them. Paul and Silas and his companions came to the town they came to to help, not to create religious fights, not to come in and say, well, we're better than everybody else because we got this Jesus thing, and if you wanna be good like us, then you'll do this. No, they came to bring hope and life to this community. And what happened in turn is they got, they got fought against because of it. So two things happened in the negative circumstance for Paul and Silas that created a completely opposite reaction for everyone that was involved in this. Now check this out, here's the first one. And this is, you can, you can write this down, they'll have it up there. Your prison will become someone else's freedom. Your prison will become someone else's freedom. And so we're using, we're using the word prison today with a little bit of, uh, you know, define it for yourself, you know, if that makes sense. Everyone has their own prison, and you can either allow your prison to be something that, is, uh, that, that you're just victimized by. Well, it's just the way it's always been. Uh, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't have any responsibility in this. None of this is my fault, it's just people doing stuff to me. Uh, it could be, your prison could be your job. Your prison could be the situations that you're dealing with in your family. Your prison could be addiction. Your prison, you can fill in the blank for what that is for you, but either your prison can be something that binds you, or your prison could be something that you say, God, you could probably do something with this, can't you? There's probably somebody involved in keeping me in prison that, you, God, you've got me here because you're trying to get to them. You know, it's funny, the jailer that we see encounter Paul and Silas never would have had the encounter that he had had not Paul and Silas not just been thrown in prison, but they were beaten. And I don't think somebody just came up and like smacked him and said their clothes were stripped and they were beaten with wooden rods severely, and then they weren't even medically treated. It says they were thrown into the darkest dungeon, and they were shackled in chains, hands and feet, at the same time still having the condition after they were beaten. So this is not just, well, you know, hey, you know, Paul and Silas, hey, this is God. Um, It's gonna be cool, but I just wanna give you a heads up. I'm gonna throw you in prison. It's gonna be peaceful. No one's gonna hurt you, but I'm putting you here because I'm gonna use you to help somebody. No, that's not what happened at all. They got beat. Like physics, not a metaphor. They actually physically got beaten for what was happening. They took stripes on their back for their faith in Jesus, who also took stripes on his back so that we could be healed of what ails us. And so check this out. There's a little bit of a connection to correlation there, but here's the deal. Will you allow yourself to be in prison for a season so that God can use you in that season to set somebody else free? That's hard, that's hard. We call this be like, yeah. Sure, why not? It's easier said than done, I get that. But I think if we can begin to have a a Jesus follower, Christ-centered mindset, then we will begin to see God change the way that we think, which will also change the way that we see our surroundings and see our circumstances, so that we are positioned no longer to live a self-centered life where we're trying to get Jesus to bless it, we start living a Jesus-centered life where we've surrendered ourselves for God to use it. Are you just trying to get Jesus to bless your stuff that you want to do? Or are you willing to let God use your life to bless other people? There's a huge difference. Your prison will become someone else's uh, else's freedom. It's, It's so much about perspective and how you see things. We can either be a victim of what's going on in and around us or we can be ready to be used by God in the midst of the prison that we find ourselves in. All right, so number two, check this is the last one too. Your praise will become someone else's salvation. Your praise, not somebody praising you, but the way that you use your life to praise God while you're in the midst of your stuff, that's gonna become somebody else's salvation. I love this. They weren't just thrown into a prison cell, they were thrown into the darkest place, there was no light. It was complete darkness where they were. They're still bleeding. They're still still wounded. They're they're being shackled and chained. And the reason why we know that is because it says that as Paul and Silas began to pray, and Paul and Silas began to uh, praise, it's funny. It turned into a prayer meeting, but it wasn't a prayer meeting about, God, will you please help us? God, will you deliver us? God, will you enact, will fire from heaven on our enemies? You know, that type of, it wasn't that. Because it paints this picture that, hey, they're good. I don't know, I I hope that if I was in that situation, I would have the same perspective. I hope that I could. I hope that I would. When everything around me is going to hell, that I still find myself positioned to say, God, you're good. God, maybe this stinks, but I have a feeling, God, that you're in this. What? Time out, time out. God is in your persecution? God is in your prison? How is that? Because God is looking for people that are willing to say Yes. God is looking for people who are willing to allow themselves to go through things because they know that God is in the midst of it to reach people that maybe without would have not been reached. So instead of them complaining in their prison, instead of them uh, having what I call the 911 prayer life, which means that you never talk to God until everything goes wrong and all of a sudden you're a prayer warrior of deliverance. All of a sudden, hey God, if you're there, because I've been here the whole, I'm, I'm, I'm actually orchestrating this. I know you're a good God. You would never do this to me. (laughs) No, this is, I got a plan. If you just come come along, it's going to be, it's going to, I'm bleeding. Yeah, I know, I know. And you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But that's going to help somebody else not bleed. That's going to help somebody else get set free. That's going to help somebody else be healed. So they began to praise. And I love it. It's just as they began to praise, just all of a sudden an earthquake unleashed. And it wasn't an earthquake that that, that demolished the the jail cells that they were in. The only thing that says was impacted by the actual earthquake were the prison doors of the prisoners was opened. The chains that shackled people were released. I love that. Now, there's this one. I have this one theory. There's a a verse that talks about how the heavens are God's throne and the earth is his footstool. And so I, I think God likes music. I think he's pretty intentional about it. And I think when we, the Bible even says that when we begin to praise him, it says that he inhabits our praise. He comes and literally, when he hears his kids praising his name, he comes to where his kids are because he wants to be a part of it, this relationship. He wants to be in it. He wants to receive that praise. And I kind of have this theory that as they were singing, I think, I feel like it was a praise song. It wasn't like, you know, one of those deep long worship, it was a praise song. So I feel like there was a beat to it. I don't know what song it was. Maybe they were singing Wake. We were doing that one first. Uh, maybe not. It wasn't written yet. But I just kind of feel like, you know, if the, earth, if, if the earth is his footstool, I feel like it started getting God tapping his foot. Because how, if, you gotta, if you hear a good beat, how can you not move? Whether you're good at it or not, there's something that just makes you move. And so I just feel like as God was hearing this praise and there was a beat within it that he began to tap his foot. And if the earth is his footstool and he's tapping his foot, all of a sudden it was funny that their praise began to move God to open up something that would set other people free. So while we're so enthralled with trying to get God to deliver us, maybe, maybe, maybe we should get ourselves passionate about praising in the midst of our prison so that God can use us to see other people set free. It's crazy. God works backwards from how we think things should operate. If you wanna be the greatest, then be the least. If you wanna be a leader, learn how to serve. If you want to receive, you better learn how to give. If you want to uh, see other people's lives impacted, well, get ready to see yourself thrown into prison. Huh. God, use me. It's funny, we pray these prayers like, God, would use me. I, I want to be your vessel. And then, you know, a couple months later, man, God, I just feel like, just feel like you're using me. I just feel like I'm being used. <laughs> like, yeah. God, I want I to, you know, use my life to, to just lay my life out as for people, to, uh, for people to be able to be a conduit, let them use my life, and then you're like, man, I just feel like people are walking all over me, and you know, it's like, that's what you prayed for, and that's how God is using you. You know, it's funny how the very thing that we pray for, when it's answered, it feels great, but a little bit later, we're like, God, you know, could you change that, because that's, maybe, maybe I didn't speak too clearly, maybe we have a misunderstanding, but no, I can't, I can't tell you guys the life of a Jesus follower who's willing to say yes and surrender their life, surrender their will, surrender their desires, so that other people can come to know who Jesus is. There is no greater way to live. There's absolutely no greater way to live. So I'm gonna go ahead and call up um, uh, uh, our keyboard player, and they're gonna jump up here and give me some background. But I wanna wrap this up. Um, but I wanna do it in the context of giving you an opportunity um, to, to let this sink in for yourself. Um, Every single week we pray for people to give their lives to Jesus. We're gonna do that also. But I wanna have a moment where you're able to right where you are, and we never, uh, unless there's something special that we wanna do uh, that's a little bit different, like God can minister to you right, right where you are. And something has to happen inside of us where our mindset begins to change about how we see the circumstances around us. It has to change. So this coming week, when you, when you go to work, and all of a sudden you feel like, well, yep, here's that prison again. <laughs> you know, whether it's that, that, that broken relationship or, you know, maybe it's somebody that's, you know, you're trying, you're trying, but they're just not treating you the way that you would hope. God, change the way that I see this situation. Let me not see it as something that is against me, but God, allow me to see it as something that you are using to get to somebody else. It says that the, the jailer, was about to kill himself because he was personally responsible for everybody in there. And he probably would have been severely punished had they found out that all the prisoners under his watch had gone away. But I find it ironic that God responded to their praise by opening the prison cells, but the point wasn't for the prisoners to run free. I think the point was for the prisoners to live free. And that's for you. That's for you this morning. God's not even trying to rescue you from your prison. He's trying to set you free for your life. And at the very end, what's cool is that the jailer comes back after he gave his life to the Lord. It's funny, his response to that whole situation wasn't, hey, thank you for not running. Can you just shackle yourself back up? His response was, what do I need to do to be saved? Clearly there was a recognition that these guys who came to preach a message and to tell people about Jesus, it was known why they were there, that they responded to it. And now in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their abuse, in the midst of their prison cell, the person who was in charge of keeping them in that prison cell says, what do I need to do to be saved? And you know what's cool? Check this out. When the jailer came in to check, what did he have to bring with him? A light. When you praise God in the midst of your brokenness, when you praise God in the midst of your prison, it may seem dark, but I'm telling you, the light of Jesus is gonna come into that space. And it is going to transform what you've experienced, is gonna transform, yes, you, but more importantly, it's gonna transform the lives of people around you. So let's not be people who are so quick to ask God to change our negative circumstances. Let's pause first and ask God, what are you trying to do in these circumstances? Let me be used by you to, so that some, my boss, my spouse, my kids, my crazy uncle, my neighbor that just won't, won't, let it, won't let it go, or maybe it's this disease that is in my body, the, uh, the diagnosis from this doctor, my economic situation, I, I don't know what it is or maybe even in a deeper sense, there's a brokenness inside of you because of real things that you've experienced and endured, abuse, pain, things that you have gone through that no human being should ever have to go through, things that have been forced on you by people who unfortunately are broken themselves. Are we willing to say, God, let me see this thing the way that you wanna see it. Can I pray for you real quick? Just put your hand on your heart, this is for you. Father we, um, Father, we don't talk about this like it's no big deal, like it's, like it's a piece of cake for us to go through the stuff that we're having to go through in life. God, we're not talking about this because it's just, you know, we should just ignore that it's hard and ignore that it hurts and ignore that, that we're dealing with stuff. But, I, God, but God, I pray that, that we would, by your grace and by your Holy Spirit, be able to be a church, to be people, to be Jesus followers, who instead of having our eyes fixed on ourself and what we're going through, even for the, the real hurtful, painful things, God, that we would become people who say, Father, um, what is it that you're trying to do in this situation? God, what are you trying to do in me that needs to grow? And how, how, how can I be used by you, Lord, to impact the people that are even keeping me in this prison, God? What are you trying to do? So God, soften our hearts protect our hearts, protect our minds. God, help us to not live for ourselves anymore, but help us to live for you. Jesus, we need you so desperately, Father. And we thank you that even right now, God, that you are doing a mighty work in the hearts of every single person in this room. God, those that have followed you for years to those that are still not sure what this is all about. God, you are doing a mighty work right now in the hearts and minds of every single one of us. Father, we pray that we would not get in the way of the work that you're doing. God, we surrender to you today. God, we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, we are your vessel. Jesus, we're here to follow you. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at ConvoChurch. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.